I love the Word of God. And I, I see so many things that is happening in our world. And, it's, and we, we sit there and we're so quick to say, well, I'll tell you what happened. The world is getting away from God. The world is getting away from the Scripture. It is just as easy for the church to do the same thing as it is for us to yell at the world for doing that. We can do the same thing. So we, we have to constantly, constantly, what, what I do as a pastor, what we want to do is, is, is I get all the time about our, our feelings, our opinions, what we like and what we don't like and things like that. And I, I want to preach on the church today. And you're going to hear a lot of preaching and teaching on the church because the Bible says that he's going to establish the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I googled the word church. This image on the screen is the first image that came up. And another version of this was the second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and hundredth and 110th and whatever. And there was only like two pictures on the entire search engine that actually showed a person. I know the world has that wrong. But I want to ask you as my brothers and sisters, do we have that wrong? Have we associated the presence of God with a building? Have we associated the working of God with bricks and mortar? Because the world looks at it and says, man, I need to get to church. I need to be more involved in church. I need to be faithful to church. And don't get me wrong, those things are very true. But what church are you referencing? Because I promise you, if your whole goal is to walk into a building, this building is not going to change you. And and I know it's going to get quiet, and I'm not going to preach or teach anything without giving you complete Bible. And I'm going to give you a history lesson of what we're going through. My main passage will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm titling this message today, Stop Visiting God. Stop visiting God. He, does, he doesn't desire weekend visitation. He, he wants to make it very clear that he is not a building. He is not a rock. He is not a statue. He is not a pulpit. He is not a flag. He is not an object. He is the creator of everything. And, and I know your thing. I was like, well, this place is special. Oh, I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to deny that whatsoever, that this place is special and all that God is doing and has done with it. But I, I, I've got to help us understand, are we putting the emphasis when we talk about church on the wrong things? And don't get nervous. I, I, I'm going to give you Bible, Bible, Bible. That's what we're going to do. But I'll tell you, people are quick to, to, to look at something like the, like the Catholic Church and they'll get all critical about it. And they'll be saying, oh, look at all that's wrong with the Catholic Church because they worship tangible things. Statue of Mary. I've got to have these beads. I've got to, that's what I grew up on. I've got to hold on to something because that, that, that makes me feel like I'm in the presence of God. And we get critical about that. We, we all do this. We, we, we are creatures that are prone to do this. We hold on the knickknacks and necklaces and, and a brooch or whatever that was passed on to be my, my grandmother. And I'm, I'm not downplaying those things. 
But I feel like if when I hold that or see that, it brings back all those memories or those thoughts of that person. So it's human nature for us as people to want to grab onto something that makes us remember or resemble or think of something that represents our God. This is where traditions and practices of asking a priest to forgive you or praying to a statue of Mary or lighting candles in memory of something or holding prayer beads or being blessed by a man called a pope. All of that was tangible things that they wanted to get their hands on. And, and, and the thing is, you're, you're going to sit there and go, amen to that. Well, let me ask you, do we do the same thing? Do we do the same thing? It's not about religious practices or traditions that save you or change you. It is only a relationship with Jesus Christ. In the beginning, it was God that was walking with man in the garden. And they had interaction and they had fellowship. Now, I'm going to get really basic and then I'm going to build up to this. But please follow me because you need to know the heart of our God. We all know what happened that sin separated man from God. When Adam and Eve sinned, God made a sacrifice. And that was the beginning of the sacrifice and they covered it. But there was still, they were kicked out of the garden and they put the, the angels there to protect and to stop. That, that is what happened. And from that point, we had where God, Adam and Eve, was walking with God in the garden to there was a separation between man and God. God hated it. Hated it. Sin separated them from God. If you notice in the Old Testament, there is no indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God in the Old Testament. You know why? Because man had sin that an animal or a bull or a goat blood could never fix. They, they did a temporary sacrifice, but then they would have to go get that lamb again and kill that lamb again. And it was just temporary. It was a symbol of you have fallen short of the glory of God. God could not ignore their sin. God cannot dwell in the midst of sin. And the whole Old Testament was a picture of that. Man had a void in their life. And I'll tell you what happened. After that, man began to go and find things that they could hold on to. That they began to build statues. And they began to build the Tower of Babel. And they began to build in Egypt and, and things and, and places. That they could reach, touch, worship, and love. Because it's in our nature to want to be in the presence of something that we can see. God has no desire to be associated with any of those things. And I tell you guys over and over and over and over again. God has made it very clear. Do not put me in a box. Our God is not a stone, a statue, a tree, a place, or an object. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read these verses leading up to them. You guys stay in your passage and just soak this in. In Isaiah 66, 1, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you would build unto me? And where is the place of my rest for all those things that mine hand had made? All those things have been, saith the Lord. God was not saying that he... he, he was discounting his creation, but he was saying, your creation can never hold me as the creator. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. You know what I love about that picture of earth being his footstool? 
God was saying, all your idols and your creation and all the things that your hands put together and build up as being God, God says, I just put my feet on those things. As you, as you ride around and you see all these false gods and false this and false that, God just says, yeah, I use those as a footstool. That's our God. He said, I sit in the throne of heaven. In Exodus, God called Moses to rescue the children of Israel out of bondage through their journey to the promised land. God desired to make his presence known. And we're going to get off as we introduce this part. And you say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You just said that wasn't true. In Exodus 25, 8, he said, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Don't miss the purpose of what God was doing. God did not need a dwelling place. He was not saying, build me a Hilton or a Motel 6 to travel around with you guys. He was saying, as you go, I want my presence known in the middle of everything you do. This is huge. As we keep reading, we get to Leviticus 26, 11, And he said, I will set my tabernacle among you and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you shall be my people. That was the desire of God. God said, I will walk among you. Where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? Let's go to war. Let's fight. Let's defend. Let's take care of these kids. Man, God wanted to be right in the middle of everything that they did. You know what they did as they traveled? They, they, They got the Ark of the Covenant. They picked it up and said, all right, the presence of God is going with us. It was a visual to them. It was a visual to them that God desired to go with them. As they crossed the Jordan, as they crossed all these different things that we read about, they, the, the priest stepped into the water and God split the sea. God said, I go before you. I, I open the path. God was saying, I, I'll, I'll lead you by fire by night and a cloud by day. God would say, I, I shine the Shekinah glory of God down from heaven in the middle of everything that you do. And they would put all their camps around Jesus was the center. And as they would sacrifice and worship God, God would show his glory to them. I know you're not getting it yet, but we'll get there. This was still not the desire of God. God desired a personal relationship with him. They had this place that they called the Holy of Holies. There was a holy place and then there was a Holy of Holies. And there was a veil that separated them. And God shined his glory, his presence in the middle of that holy of holy place. But they could not walk in there. And, and, and the priest would go in before them. And, and the, the Bible describes how they would have to take the blood and the sacrifice on the outside. But that veil separated them from the presence of God. And God hated it. But it was a visual. That's the beauty of it. The visual that was unveiled to them the day that Jesus Christ died on the cross. And that tabernacle was a daily reminder to all of them that God is with us, God is for us, and that our God loves us. It was nothing like the statues and the stuff that they had back in Egypt. After they were in the wilderness for 40 years, they then set up the tabernacle in a fixed location for 400 years. It was still the same thing, but it was fixed location after they arrived to the place that God led them. But even when Solomon, God instructed David and Solomon to build him a temple... In 1 Kings 8.27, but God indeed dwell on the earth. Question mark. Behold the heaven and the earth and the heavens cannot contain thee. How much less is this house that I have built for you? 
they, they got it and it was elaborate and it was over the top. But he said, my God does not dwell in that place. But everything changed in the New Testament. God took on flesh and came to us. That's where we have the Christmas word that we repeat so much. Emmanuel, God with us. Born in a stable. And you say, uh, born in a stable. We could get into all that. But he was born as a lamb of God because that sacrifice had to be made before they could walk into the Holy of Holies. But no bull or goat or animal or sheep would ever be good enough. But he was the son of God, the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. When you see that manger, think of more than just a cute little story that we tell at Easter and Christmas. He was born to die on the cross for more than a holiday. Jesus died on the cross. He was sacrificed. This time it was perfect blood. It was sinless. It covered all of our sins and it did not have to be repeated. When Jesus died on the cross, he cried out the words, it is finished. You say, what was finished? The separation between God and man. The lack of a relationship, a personal relationship with the God that knelt down on the ground and breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. God didn't just speak you into existence. God created you in his image for fellowship. And Jesus, the Son of God, cries out, It is finished. Father, no more separation. God said, Thank you, Son. And God reached down from heaven and ripped the veil in half. There was no more the sacrifice needed to go in there and sprinkle it on the presence of God to declare a place holy. God did it through Jesus. How powerful. I've heard Christians make the comparison to us. I'm not joking when I say this. That we are now that high priest. I've heard comparisons of what they did and how they approached God and how they approached the Holy of Holies and the the way they dress and the ephod and everything else that they had and made that comparison to the New Testament. Can I tell you how dangerous and unbiblical that is? First of all, by saying this, you you are bringing back the very thing that Jesus Christ died to eliminate. And I've heard people, I've seen people write out dress codes and things and bring out Leviticus. And I'm like, whoa, he died to eliminate that. And you bring that up as if that's what we have to adhere to. And the second thing that he did, you are comparing yourself to Jesus Christ, who is our high priest. You can make a lot of comparisons, but you've got a lot of guts to make that comparison. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not, N-O-T, not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. If you fit that description, then go ahead and compare yourself to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we had God showing himself to them, a cloud, a pillar, the Shekinah glory. In the Gospels, Jesus showed himself to them in the presence of man, a friend, a companion, an encourager. But I stand before you as a whole different category of church. Because Jesus brings us to our passage. And he says, now in the church age, he dwells in us. 
And I know we say this, but I think there's some dangers that we confuse with this. You can hear Paul's frustration as we get into 1 Corinthians 6.19. Paul's frustration as he does this first word and he goes, what? Have you ever done that? You walk in there and you see your kids doing something and you're like, what? What are you doing? What is that? What are those? It's like you have, you have all this frustration going through your mind and your heart thinking, what in the world are you doing? What? Oh my goodness, church. What are you doing? What are you doing? You have drugged all that stuff, that tangible stuff, and you're dragging it into the church and saying, hey, this is how we worship and this is how we do. And he says, don't you get it? No, you're not. And you are the temple, that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. What you have of God. You are more blessed than Moses. You are more blessed than Abraham. You are more blessed than Isaac. You are more blessed than all the children of Israel. You're not standing from a distance seeing the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory dwells in your hearts. The glory of God in us. You say, how is that possible? What you have of God in you are not your own. Let me tell you, son, you are bought with a price. Therefore, you better glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Today, the spirit and the presence of God lives in us. In Acts 7, 47, a New Testament passage, but Solomon built him a house, howbeit the most high dwelleth not in the temples made with hands. Do you know what we love to adore and follow the things that are made with hands? Man thinks of something, man creates something, man follows something, man builds something, man does these things. And all of a sudden, before long, we're just like all these other, where they're going and they're falling in love with the things that man has created. And God sent them back going, what are you doing? Well, I, I didn't, where, where do you find that in scripture? Where did you find that in my word? Why are you falling in love with stuff? God said, I'm not stuff. I'm not a rock. I'm not a pew. I'm not a building. I'm not a stained glass. I never gave it to you. I saved you to be my people, to have the Holy Spirit of God dwell in you. So here's the dangers. We'll close with these things. Dangers of thinking that these statements are true. When we we talk about the church and we turn around and we say things, and now I'm going to clarify because I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I can't believe you just say this, said this. This house belongs to God, but this is not the Lord's house. He has no bedroom in the back room. He doesn't have a car in the carport. He doesn't pull in and park, and we don't come into the presence of God and say, let's give it up for Jesus. But our thinking is that. I, I, I can't tell you how often we say things as Christians like we have come here to be in the presence of God. Can I ask you the question, when did you leave that? When did you leave that? When did you step out and visit God? When did you step in 
to grandma's house to say hi, grandma, and give her a kiss and then, kiss and then leave. He said, why is that? Because I'm seeing the way people are living and I'm thinking, what is wrong? What? Know you not that your body, your person, the believer, the Christian, the sanctified, the separated, the called out, the believer is the temple, the dwelling place, the tent, the tabernacle, the sanctuary of our God. It's, it's Bible. The church has and never was a place. It has always been his people. They struggle with this because it was hundreds and hundreds of years that they went to a place for all of these things. They kept trying to go back to what they believed and what they had. And the sad thing is we do that same thing. Here's the, here's the danger, because when we teach it being a place, then we teach people that they visit and exit the presence of God. That, that's what happens. You, you are coming into his presence. We've, we, we're all these different phrases and terminologies that we do, but we're never not before the presence of God. I've heard even people make statements, and I grew up this. Well, when I come to church, I, I, it's like coming before the president. Okay, you're coming before him. You know, he was in the car when you had that bad attitude. He was in, he was in your house when you yell at your wife. He was there and you're bad and your sin and your problems and everything else. He was there. You were in the presence of God way before you ever entered these doors. But if you don't think that way, that's why we've had people that walk out the door of the church that live like the devil on Monday and they walk in here and go, Oh, it's great to be. I feel so good in here. We've brainwashed ourselves. We, we, we have done things to make us feel good. And God said, do you not make me a God that you visit, a place that you go, or a practice that you go through? God is with us today because God came here with you in your heart. God walked through the doors. God sat in the seat. And when we leave, God will leave with us. God does not desire to be a place. There's a danger that comes with this. Because then we start having the idea that if we want the touch of God, if we want the presence of God, if we want the healing of God, we start associating with. If I, I've had people say, when I go to the church, I'm going to go straight to the altar. Think, well, if you've got something wrong in your life, you can go straight to your knees right now. Pastor, I, I just need the pastor. I, I just need him so bad. I just, and, I'm, and there are times with that, but I'm saying, do you realize that the presence of God is with you? You don't need a person, a place, or a thing to grab onto to have the power of God with you. There's a danger when people think that they have to get here to have a relationship with God. Let me tell you, when you have a relationship with God, it'll be hard not to get you here. I'd have to talk you into not wanting to go to church. Here's danger number two. When we emphasize this type of thinking, we emphasize this place being holy. When it is God's people that are called to be holy. I think back to when Moses went before God and God told him, take off your sandals, Moses. You are coming into the presence of God. Something that needs to be taught and preached more and more is that is the fact that we serve a holy God. God has said, you be holy because I am holy. He was saying, do you realize that I am to be separate from everything else? Do not put me in the category of what you live. Do not trash up your life 
and think that that's okay. From the time that we have from Moses walking before God and walking to the presence of God and he said it is holy to the point where we bow before God and they cry out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. As we fall before the throne of God, we fall in the presence of God knowing that we are in a place of God's perfection. And yet 1 Peter 15, 16 But as he which hath called you is holy, so ye be holy in all manner of your conversation or way of life. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. As the church, you have the responsibility to live a holy, righteous life. It's much easier to put the emphasis on a place being holy rather than the person being holy. This, this is why people make comments like this, and you've heard them say this. When they think about the church, and they think about the dwelling place of God, or the sanctuary of God, or the, the, the dwelling of the Holy Spirit in this place and not in our hearts, that's when people will say, well, if I walked in there, the roof would fall in. Have you ever heard people say that? Why are you thinking that? Because that place is different than out here. If my sin was to enter into that location... Have you heard people say things like, don't lie, you're in church? Okay. Does God have cameras? I can't believe you just said that in church. See, we've put in this emphasis that you've stepped into holy ground when God's saying, you need to straighten up your act because you're the holy ground. Let me ask you guys a question. If I was to do this, Would that bother you? And we sit there and say, do you realize the love and the sacrifice and the blood, sweat, and tears that has gone into this place and this building? I can't believe. And God looks at you and says, Joe, stand up. You. We're bought with a price. You get upset about walking into that trash, I get upset about walking into your trash. We can sit there and get upset about a piece of paper on the floor of this building and yet you have gossip in your life. Come on, man. And God has to step in that. Come on. God has to walk through there and say, well, all right, you come in here and he's walking over your lust. He's walking over your, your, your fornication and your problem and your greed and your gossip and your hate and your everything else. And you're sitting there saying, how dare you? And God says, no, how dare you? When we get more upset about us defiling what we've created and you jump whatever God died on the cross to save, there is a problem with us. I'm not trying to disrespect that, but I'm trying to prove a point. I hope every one of you is like, <gasps> and God says, yeah, I do that every day. Every passage we read in the Bible where it says, it goes as far to say in this same passage, back up a couple of verse. He said, what are you doing with a prostitute? <gasps> read it. The temple of God is to have nothing to do with that kind of immoral sin. He said, you have joined me with idols. You have joined me with sin. You have joined my temple. What is the temple of God? 
You can walk in here looking good. You can shine your shoes. You can have two Bibles under each arm. You can walk through here having smile on your face and have lust in your heart. And you have trash in the temple of God. Yeah, we'd be more upset about that than somebody gossiping in the hallway or getting on Facebook running their big fat mouth. We wonder why we've lost the power of God. Because we, we sit here and idolize stuff. When God said, I never died for stuff. I died for you. I'm going to close with this. I had one more. I'm going to skip it, but let me just give it to you. There's another danger when we emphasize this place being hope when it is God's people that is the hope. See how often people justify and say, you need to get in church. You, 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 you need to talk to my pastor. You need to, you need it. And we shift them. You realize Peter was saying to them, he says, do you realize that the hope lies within you? It is a cop-out for God's people when God said to go into all the world and to be the hope when you sit there and say, you need to get in church. They need to experience the hope of God in your life because that's where the presence of God is at. Don't get me wrong, I, I love the altar, I love what we have here, but if you start holding that up higher than the presence of God in their living room, then something's wrong. He says, glorify God in your bodies, not at 4701 Winchester Pike. Let me close with this. I know your hearts are racing, your minds are thinking, I just did that. Let, let me explain it. I mean, I'm going to close it and, and clarify some of these things. I love the cross. I love it. At the cross, at the cross, that's where my sin met my Savior. It was at the cross that Jesus suffered the most brutal punishment of ever experienced of mankind. It's at the cross that Jesus thought of me. I'm going to get to heaven and say, God, where is the cross? Where is the cross? And God's going to look down at me and say, Son, that earth wasn't about the cross. That cross was a tool for me to reach you. It was just sticks. But Lord, it... I would cry at the cross. I would sing about the cross. Lord, I love the cross. But it was just boards that I used to reach you. I love this building. I love its history. I love its purpose. I love its testimony. I love its heritage. I love what we do. I love the days that I remember bowing here with my wife and kids. I remember being out in the hallway leading people to Christ. I, I remember the day that we built the stage and we packed this place out with 900 teenagers. I remember standing right here in this spot, having an invitation during the pageant and having so many lined up that I could not deal with them all. But this building will not be in heaven. God's going to say that building was a tool used to reach these people that are around you because I died for people. And yet we have people that sit there and fall in love with these items and the stuff. That these things that we almost worship and we get mad at places like the Catholic Church for the things that they do like this. 
that they've fallen in love with objects and methods that created by man. Can I tell you, a pew was created by a man. A pulpit was created by a man. A stained glass window and a hymnal was created by a man. Why are you here? For the stuff you created or the purpose that he created? And I know I'm stepping on some toes right now. But how dare we worship stuff? I sit there and talk about stuff in this building. Stuff that man created. Stuff that we invented. Stuff that's not even in the Bible. The creator of heaven and earth that we say that God has everything planned out and it's perfect. And we say, God, we worship you. And then we add to it and we get upset when man man does not follow what we created. How dare you do that? What have we done? What have we done? I'm not against the things that we do. But what are you worshiping? When people say, hey, and I, I've told you this. People have said uh, crazy things. If Pastor Tony ever stops wearing a tie, I'm going to leave this church. I'm not here for a tie. It's a piece of fabric around my neck that gives me a rash every Sunday. I'm not preaching against ties. I'm preaching, I'd rather you say, if you ever stop preaching the truth, Pastor Tony, I would leave this church. Now you have something to stand on. Get back to the Bible. Get back to what he said. Get back to where we follow after God and God will bless and God will bless and God will bless. But if we are doing the things that man created and you say, well, I disagree with that. Search the scriptures. Jesus said that, search the scriptures. And for people coming to me saying, hey, I, I'm just gonna say, can you show me? Can you show me? I'm gonna, I'm gonna end with one last verse. At the close of the church, I mean the close of the church, I mean the end of the church in Revelation 3, 13. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. As many as I love, in verse 19, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, man. So I thought he was talking to the church. He is. He is. He's talking to the church. Hey, Tony. I know you've gotten carnal. I get him in church every week. I didn't ask that. Can I come in? Can I come into your life? Because my desire, I will come into you. I'll sup with you and you with me. That's what I died for. That's what I, that's what I came for. I reestablished what the devil ruined in Genesis 3. I conquered your sin for a relationship the answer is not to have God in this building the answer is to have God in your life and then God will be in this building 